Good morning. It is indeed a privilege for Joy and I to be with you once again on a beautiful summer day in Maine. This is awesome. It was such a beautiful ride down this morning. Uh, just a quick update. We are we have been spending the month of June over, except for today, obviously, the month of June over at Penobscot, South Penobscot Baptist. And uh, I would ask you to be in prayer for their pulpit committee. Uh, we, Joy and I will be meeting with them next Sunday after our after a potluck and after the morning service. Please be in prayer. Pray that God would send his man there, his servant whether that's me or whether that's someone else. So please be in prayer for us and for that church. Would you turn in your Bibles, your copy of God's Word, to the book of 1 John? If you have a, if you have a pew Bible, that would be on page 1210. 1 John. We're going to begin reading with verse 1 of chapter 1, and we're going to read through a little bit further than I said I was. Uh, we're going to read through to the sixth verse of chapter 2. Hear the word of God. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we also we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. And here's our target passage this morning. This is the message that message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, 
in him truly the love of God is perfected. And by this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Lord, would you give me your words this morning to expound this simple but not simplistic word given by John, your apostle. Lord, would you, your word spoken through John, written down on paper, Lord, may it come alive to us this morning. For this I ask in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. So most professions and and trades have what the Bible would call a fellowship. It's a group of people that are gathered around a common goal to encourage one another on to excellence. Doctors have fellowships, nurses, nurse practitioners, they have fellowship. But I would dare say that if I was to ask a lobsterman here this morning, they would probably say there's, there's a set of rules and a set of standards that lobstermen have to abide by. There's also a set of rules that mechanics and building contractors, they have to abide by. And they covenant together. They come together in order to sharpen one another, in order to be better at their profession. Well, we're called to the same thing. Probably a better title for this sermon would be the Fellowship of Light instead of whatever it is I called it. Uh, it was early in the week, and I had to come up with a title to give Dory. So, <clears throat> the Fellowship of Light. Brothers and sisters, we are called to be a city within the city. We are called as, as a, we're called to be a counterculture within a world that truly belongs to God, but has been hijacked by sin. God created the universe And all that is in it, he is the source of all things. This is that storyline we were talking about in Sunday school this morning. uh, The storyline of the Bible in which we find the book of 1 John. We find it within this storyline. God created the universe and all that is in it. He's the source of all things. He created the earth to be a special dwelling place for his glorious presence. And he placed us. (laughs) Us, his image bearers. He didn't place the giraffes as his image bearers. He didn't place the chimpanzee as his image bearer. He placed us, his image bearers, in that Garden of Eden in order to make it beautiful, to spread that garden. God made the garden and made it special, made it beautiful. You know, I picture or I picture the uh, the uh, the parks down in uh, down at Disney. How beautiful they are. Not one leaf is out of place. Not one stone is unswept. Beautiful. God placed, made the Garden of Eden and he put, his, he put his image bearers in that garden to bring order to the rest of the world. But something went terribly, terribly wrong. Mankind, instead of being willing to carry out that plan of God to make the earth into a beautiful dwelling place for God, began to use the earth to satisfy themselves and to commit high treason against the rightful ruler of the earth. 
And this treason fundamentally changed the bent of the human heart. Now we are all full of treason in our hearts. And at our very core of our beings, and on top of this, our treason has plunged the whole universe into destruction and decay. That's what Romans tells us. Romans chapter 8. Though we know deep down, this is something else Romans tells us, though we know deep down how we ought to live, we don't. But we try to fake it in order to look good in front of other traitors, do we not? Romans tells us that we constantly try to suppress the truth of God and make it make its message more palatable to our treasonous hearts. However, God decided long before he ever created the universe to demonstrate his justice and mercy. The whole Bible from Genesis 3 to Revelation 22 gives us God's plan to restore his original design. He begins with human beings. You know, if I was going to begin a restoration process, I probably would have picked something else, right? I mean, there's a whole lot of things that are wrong, right? Thunderstorms and rain in the middle of an afternoon trying to get my yard work done. That's that's something that's wrong. Not really. We need the water. But he begins with us. We, brothers and sisters, You are that special to God. You are in the image of God. And what he has done is he has he's called us. He's called us back to himself in order to restore creation. It begins with us. The whole Bible from Genesis 3 to Revelation 22 gives us God's plan to restore creation to his original design. And he begins with us. In fact, the book of John tells us that God himself, the gospel of John says that the God himself entered our existence in order to take our place. God the Son took on our real flesh and blood to live as human beings were supposed to live, to take our place, and bear the full brunt of God's just punishment for our treason. Now, this book that we're getting ready to look at here is is an epistle, but it's really a sermon. It's really a sermon that John wrote as an argument against the false doctrine that says that Jesus of Nazareth was either not the fully incarnate Son of God or that Jesus was not really a flesh-and-blood human being. And John says this at the beginning of the chapter. He says, I've actually put my hands on him. He's real. I've heard him speak. And guess what? He actually spoke to me and called me and my friends into a close fellowship with himself and his kingdom. My friends, the call of God, the rightful ruler of all there is, is to return to him in complete dependence upon him. That's how Jesus walked. When, when at the end, of, in that, the end of that portion of chapter 2, it says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I'll tell you how that is. He walked in complete dependence upon his father.
in complete dependence upon him to supply our deepest need. That's how we're supposed to walk into a restored relationship with him together with the rest of redeemed humanity. And if you're not a Christian today, a member of that redeemed humanity, you can become one. If you have walked away from Christ and his people, you can return. Well, how do we do that? Well, the message of this passage in 1 John is that is this. Because God is holy, we must be holy in our walk or in the way we conduct our lives. 1 John 1, 5 says, this is the message that we have heard from him. And we proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Because God is light, we must walk in that light, in the light of his glory. As image bearers of our creator God, we must reflect his character. Hebrews 10.23, I believe you might have looked at that last Sunday. It says that this light is something that we receive from God. Well, how do we receive it? By receiving the word of God as authoritative truth. God's word is a covenant of life that he made with us through our forefathers. This covenant includes the story of what God did to rescue us from sin and the penalty of death. It also tells us of what God requires of us, how we should live in thankfulness for his great rescue. And then he promises great obedience, excuse me, great blessings for obedience to the laws of his kingdom and curses for disobedience. Well, obedience to God's rules equals living living and walking in the light of God's word. Now, lest you think this is a works message, it is not. Because we know that none of us can do that perfectly, don't we? Not one of us. All have sinned, the Bible says. So what does this mean? Well, we're going to cover this, what it means to walk in the fellowship of the light. We're going to cover this under three headings. We're going to first talk about what it is not. Then we're going to talk about what it is. And finally, we're going to talk about the legal basis of it. What it is not, what it is, and the legal basis of it. Well, first off, what it isn't. In verse 6, We read, if we say we have fellowship with him, but walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And down in verse 8, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In verse 10, it says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And in chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Well, let's first talk about what walking in the light is not. To begin with, it, <clears throat> no one who merely pays lip service to godly living is actually living in fellowship with God himself or with his people. Hypocrisy leads to hiding, which is why it's described as darkness. Friends, there are only two responses to the light of God's word. 
There's the response of, <clears throat> where's, my, where's my South Carolinians? There's the response of the cockroach, right? And then there's the response of the moth. Well, let's first talk about the response of the cockroach. I've lived in the deep south almost half of my life to this point, and one insect that they have down there that we don't have up here, thankfully, among other things we don't have up here, like rattlesnakes, is the cockroach. Cockroaches are nasty little bugs of varying sizes that feed on food that is left out. You never see them until they have multiplied to large proportions. And you find them only when you come out into the kitchen and turn on the light. And then what do they do? What do cockroaches do? They take off and run, don't they? They go hide in some crevice or corner that you don't even know about. And the only way to get rid of them is to create a toxic chemical environment. <clears throat> they call them bombs down there. And you have to, uh, you set one off in the middle of your living room, the middle of your kitchen, and probably in a couple of bedrooms. And you leave for a couple hours. And the cockroaches hopefully all die. And then you get to go back and do the wonderful chore of cleaning up after them. You clean up after the cockroaches and the unsanitary condition that attracted them in the first place. Well, brothers and sisters, hypocrisy is a lot like that, isn't it? When the spotlight of God's word threatens to expose the truth about us, we have a tendency to hide. We make up excuses. We cover up in order to keep from being exposed. But what, the, what John says and what the writer of Hebrews says is that in order to become a member of God's redeemed people, we must be transformed from cockroaches into moths. Now, we understand what moths are up here, don't we? From, from springtime on through, the, on through the end of the summer and into the fall, you leave your front door light on and your front door is going to be covered with moths. They are attracted to the light. Instead of being driven away from exposure... They come to it, and so must we. Instead of running and hiding from the truth of God's word, we must come to it. Instead of hiding our transgression and our sins, we must let the light of God's word expose it. So what it is not, it is not hypocrisy. It is not hiding. What is it? It is an intimate relationship with God and his people through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Only complete honesty with ourselves and with one another in the light of God's word will create fellowship. Now, I will just give you a caveat. There is an appropriate amount of confession that we should do as a mixed body. There is, however, I believe all sin must be confessed. And there is a group of people that we can find, hopefully within the local body of Christ, that we can bear our souls to, that where it's safe, where people who have received the grace and, and mercy that comes from our Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, when 
receive that grace and mercy, they are then able to dispense that to others. Far from being a place of hiding and hypocrisy, the gathering of God's people should be one place of openness and honesty where we come to speak into others' lives and receive the ministry of others into our lives. Brothers and sisters, we cannot make it on our own. This fellowship is not a place to gather dirt on each other, nor is it a place to practice self-righteous indignation and judgment. The scripture puts it this way, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And down in verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The paradox of the Christian life is that when we expose ourselves to the light of God's word, something amazing happens. We move from hiding into the comfort of fellowship with one another. We were never meant to live the Christian life alone. I have friends that don't come to church because they say it's full of hypocrites. Some think they can find God and have fellowship with him by merely going fishing or hiking in Acadia. But brothers and sisters, this is where God is. His Holy Spirit is using each and every one of you. He's using me to be a building block in his new temple. That's what Ephesians tells us. That's the eschatological temple that's being rebuilt. Notice what else happens. Instead of seeing the church as it is, a place where people in need of sanctification come in for cleansing, a place where we profess something to be true that isn't quite yet so, and that we have to come and fellowship together so that we can see the things that we're blind to, some people see it as a place of judgment and self-righteousness. And maybe my friends are right, because sometimes the people in the church have the same tendency to want to hide their own sin and yet condemn sin in others. Instead of being exposed to the light of God's word and receiving grace and cleansing, people sense condemnation and righteousness. But the truth is, brothers and sisters, we need one another. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. I am perpetually blind to my own sinfulness. Joy and I need fellowship with other godly couples who can look into our lives and pray for us and to speak God's truth to us. Though we understand the doctrines of the Christian faith, I, for one, am blind to how I fail to live up to the light of God's word. In his mercy, gave us one another to help us shed the light of his word into one another's lives. Those who have seen their need for forgiveness and restoration are the best ones at dispensing to one another. Fellowship, the fellowship of the light. Notice what else happens here. We not only have fellowship with other sinners in need of cleansing, 
we also receive the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us clean. You know, there is no place in the Old Testament that ever says the blood of an animal actually made anyone clean. I dare you to challenge me on that. It never happens. But the blood of Jesus is different. Hebrews, Hebrews says that the, though the blood of goats could never purify us, the blood of Jesus, our high priest, is different because he is perfect, because he lived a sinless life in spite of suffering the same humiliation we do. He alone qualified to pay the penalty for our treason, to purify us for fellowship with God. And when we abandon all hope in our own efforts to hide our sin, and claim the sacrifice of Jesus as our only hope, he begins to cleanse us. Well, what does this look like? Living the Christian life, a citizen of the kingdom of God that is now here, the fullness of which is still to come, it looks like making every attempt to live according to the way God would have us live. How do we know that? Well, we have his word. We make every attempt to live according to the way God would have us to live. But it also looks like failure because we can't do it. We find out that we fail, but instead of hiding our failure in a dark corner of our lives, we must ever more quickly come and agree with God that what he says about us is true. That's what confession means. It's agreeing with God. When we come and we confess to God our sin, he comes running to your rescue, applies the blood of Jesus to your record, and by his Holy Spirit, he begins the process of cleansing you. God's Spirit uses the word of God. It also uses the lives of others to shine the light of God's glory on the sins of our lives so that we can confess them. God uses us in the lives of others to do the same thing. It's a fellowship, just like the fellowship of doctors or other professions who hold one another accountable. Well, what is walking in the light? It's not hypocrisy. Rather, it's a fellowship of together being brought under the spotlight of God's word and receiving the cleansing blood of Jesus. Now, what is the legal basis What is the legal basis? Jesus, our defense attorney, is our legal basis for coming clean. Only complete dependence upon Christ as our righteousness and satisfaction for sin will gain us an acquittal before the great tribunal. John chapter, first John chapter two, verse one says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father. Jesus, the righteous one, he is the propitiation, the full satisfaction of our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. My friends, I would urge you to consider your walk this morning. It could be that there's someone here who's never heard this message. Please hear the promise 
of blessing from God. Hear what he has done to rescue you from the futility of your own self-efforts to make yourself right. Jesus is the full satisfaction of God's wrath. Your perfect substitute. Aaron, he's your pinch hitter. Jesus is your pinch hitter. He's the best lawyer you could ever have. One who has already pleased God on your behalf. Jesus is the lawyer who plays golf with the judge. When Jesus is your advocate, your defense attorney, you receive a full pardon from God. A just one, since Jesus is also the one who took your sentence. Colossians 2, 6 tells us that the way to live as a Christian is the way we become Christians in the first place. By abandoning our own self-righteousness and receive the cleansing blood of Jesus, which was shed for you. It's the only way to have legal immunity from from the prosecution and sentencing by abandoning your own defense strategy and letting Jesus defend you. God is a just judge. Jesus has already satisfied justice on your behalf, and now you can be reconciled to God and take your rightful place in his new humanity, the beginning of the restoration of all creation. And this is not a one-time decision that you make. You don't make a decision for Christ today, receive him into your heart, and then work hard for the rest of your life. No. We are daily growing in repentance of our sin. We are daily turning away from our own efforts to justify ourselves to receiving Christ. And we As we do this, we begin to see that there's more and more cleansing to be done. We find those crevices and and places where the cockroaches have hidden. Living Living in the Christian life is a community project, and it takes every member of the kingdom of God to do it. Will you come today? And be a member of that fellowship of the kingdom of God and his anointed one. You could be here today and you might have walked away from faith for a time. But God's spirit may be convicting you to bring, and bringing you back. Would you take time and speak to one of the elders? Or perhaps you're not a Christian but would like to become one. I would invite you also to speak to myself or one of the elders and become part of this fellowship. Of light. Let us pray. Lord, we know not the hour. Your word in in the book of Hebrews says today, while it is still called today, that we should make our home with you. Lord, that we should that we should continue in our fellowship, that we should that we should Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that we should walk in the light, as John says, and have this fellowship with one another and have the blood of Jesus cleanse us from our sin. Lord, I pray that there would not be one here today that hasn't received you as their Savior and learn to walk in your light. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen.